0: begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we give praise to you this morning for your love for us and for the blessing of marriage, and we pray that you would be with us as we contemplate important things, that you'd use it in the growth of our marriage relationships. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Um, so today I'm going to start by reading a passage of Scripture. From uh, Numbers 11, one of your favorite passages. The people of... Well, let me just start by saying that... Um, um, this is, you know, a little bit after God made manna for them. And uh, the manna was is described in verses 7 to 9... The manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bdellium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in hand mills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And that's a good thing. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. So that's what God had given them. But this is, after a while, what their response was. The people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost, cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic but now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. So they had been given wonderful food in a miraculous way. But after a while, they didn't appreciate it. And you know, this is the kind of story you read and even the children who are listening they get what's going on you know they they can see that that these people's hearts were not thankful for what they had children are much better at seeing that in the israelites than they are at seeing it in their own hearts but that's this is a such an obvious demonstration of human nature here they had been slaves they were treated with brutality now God, through Moses, had delivered them. And when they had no food, he gave them miraculously, gave them manna, and then fed them quail as well, as you know. And they loved that too. And they loved the manna. But they became accustomed to the manna. And eventually they grew tired of it. And they began to yearn for something else, for food other than manna and quail. They long for the cucumbers and the fish and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic that they used to eat in Egypt. Well, what does this have to do with marriage? Well, the same thing happens in marriage, doesn't it? At first, we're so grateful that God has given us our spouses And they're pleasant and enjoyable, but as we get used to them, the luster wears off, and even their best attributes become normalized to us. Instead of being a wow for us, they become a ho hum for us. And their weaknesses become more noticeable and more pronounced and we begin to notice other people who are strong in the ways that our spouse he smiles at me whenever he sees me my husband doesn't do that she always looks so nice and fresh and bright my wife looks so run down and unkempt and doesn't really take care of herself he is so kind My husband is so gruff and blunt. She is so appreciative. My wife just takes what I do for granted. He is affirming. My husband never seems to notice what I do. That woman is so happy. My wife always seems depressed. That man is so frugal and responsible with money. My husband is so careless. Or he isn't paranoid about money like my husband. My husband never wants to spend money on me. That man's always spending money on people. Or this, this, my husband doesn't exercise strong enough leadership. Or he's too strong a leader. He runs me over. He doesn't treat me like I'm an equal. And this can happen in a thousand different ways. You can have a spouse who's not good at chatting about everyday affairs, or not good at sharing their feelings honestly, or a spouse who can hardly sit and be quiet. Or a spouse who doesn't seem to have a lot of convictions. Or a spouse who never seems willing to help or to serve. A spouse who always seems preoccupied and never gives full attention. Or a spouse who's never affectionate, never wants to cuddle. Or a spouse who's not good at listening or not a good provider or a spouse that doesn't seem really spiritually mature don't see much evidence of hunger for the Lord or a spouse who doesn't seem to need me there is some deep need in us that our spouse just isn't meeting and we don't even notice it at first it's sort of like a vitamin deficiency you know if, you, um, if you're fed by a conscientious mother who's concerned about your health and, uh, and makes sure that you have a balanced diet, and then as a freshman you go off and live at college and you eat whatever you want to eat in the dorm, cafeteria, and, uh, and you don't have any concern, well, it's going to take a while for your body to show the repercussions of the poor choices that you're making. It doesn't happen immediately, but over time, those things begin to surface, and uh, they become more and more obvious, And, uh, and we complain about it, and we try to correct the other person, we even get upset sometimes, we push, we plead, we beg, but often it doesn't do any good, at least it doesn't seem. To really bring about any change so these are this is a real phenomenon that occurs frequently in marriage if not always I call these things gnawing hunger spots gnawing hunger spots when our spouse's weaknesses begin to bother us and like a sore you know, a place like a blister where you get a certain place that's gotten rubbed too many times and it starts to really bother you and you and I know that you can have one toe and if that one toe is in pain it absorbs your whole attention. You're never sitting there, Lord, thank you so much for the nine toes that don't hurt. You're thinking about the one toe that is hurting. Often our spouse still fills 70, 80, 90% of our needs and expectations, but the places where they don't fill our needs and expectations, that's what grabs our attention. And over time, those become real sore spots, even to the point of desperation at times. Probably everybody experiences this. the emotional pain becomes more and more noticeable as it's aggravated over time. And, it, and it, it seems like, it just looks like this person doesn't care about me, because I keep telling them this, and that they don't do anything about it. So it becomes a relational issue, not just an unmet need, but it, becomes, it begins to embitter us towards our spouses, and it's, this is the perfect context for interest in other members of the opposite sex to develop because we look and we see people who are really good at what our spouse is bad at and it just seems like, you know, they are what, really what we need. And it's the perfect moment for the devil to begin whispering in our ears you would be so much happier if you were with him or with her instead of the other instead of the, the one you have and our hearts can easily begin to harden towards our spouses and soften toward others in an inappropriate way this occurs Often marriage. In fact, I think it is the main destroyer of marriages. And that destruction can come about through divorce. Or it can come about through just moving to a place where you're just coexisting. But there really isn't a marriage. It's just two people sharing parenting responsibilities and living in the same house. But there's really no fondness, no affection, no bond, uh, emotional bond between them. The physical relationship is, of course, one way that this can happen. And the Bible actually talks about this. Um, In Proverbs 5, 15 to 20, using the uh, analogy of a well... To uh, as as symbolizing the um, sexual relationship between a man and a woman. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? So here... Uh, He's talking about the very thing that we're talking about here. But it's interesting, he, the uh, author of Proverbs, puts his finger on what the problem is. It's a lack of gratitude, isn't it? You should be delighting in this thing that you have that you are not even noticing, it seems. This thing should be that this thing God has given you should fill you with delight should you should be intoxicated but instead you're looking elsewhere for something better and this can happen obviously in reality but it can also happen in other ways it can happen with fictional people with in in a book in a movie online in our memories of the past, or even in our imagination. And even if it doesn't lead us into a relationship with someone else, another living, breathing human being, it can make us discontent. And it can lead us to self-pity. This is one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn in my marriage there's so many wonderful things about my wife and yet it was so easy for me not to appreciate Um, either because they were things that weren't really important to me, just my personality or because they were things that I just took for granted and let me just give you a few examples of things that I took for granted because I just thought this is the way all Christian women should be She loves the Lord. She wants to do what's right. She wants our marriage to work. She's always been faithful to me. She still puts up with me. She actually cares about me. She prays for me. She talks to me. She's willing to listen to me talk about the things that are going on in my life. She loves my children. She even loves my family, sometimes more than I do. She works hard. She's ministry-minded with people outside of our own family. You know, those things, I, in my estimation, I gave her very few brownie points for those things, even though, really, those are things to be cherished. Those are things some people would die to have in their spouse. But for me, it just didn't add up to be Uh, many gold stars in my heart, which is really a terrible thing. I'm so ashamed of how thankless a person I had become. It's really scandalous how, as human beings, we can be so blessed and yet so thankless at the same time. Now, of course, my wife and I are different, very different. And I always took those as negatives. And then the Lord showed me that those are actually positives. That I need her. I need someone who's different than I am. And I just didn't have the humility to recognize that I needed, that there was something wrong with me and I needed someone who was different than me. If I only love and admire and respect people who are like me, then ultimately, I'm just loving myself. I just see myself in them. And even in the ways that the other person is weak, it's so easy to forget that their weakness you need as well. It's not just their strengths that you need. But you need that God has chosen their weaknesses as a gift to me to help me to learn to trust Him, to help me to learn to look to Him, and to remember that ultimately this life is not the, the, the thing. And this earth is not my true home. It's not supposed to be fully functional. It's supposed to be broken and not work in many ways. Otherwise, I start thinking this is great and I don't want to go anywhere else. So, it's a failure of gratitude. Um, very easy to see other people's shortcomings and sins and conclude that the other person is really a curse and not a blessing. because we're blind to the ways that they're a blessing and this is one of the most pernicious parts of human nature that right in the face of abundant undeserved grace we are ungrateful even if we you know just having a spouse means we've received a precious gift from the Lord and by the way um, I, I've said this before, but I just want to reaffirm it. Um, there are evil, dangerous spouses. We're going to talk about that coming up. So, you know, when I say these things, I'm not referring to someone like that. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll deal with that. So, you know, there are, there are um, people to run away from it's, but there are also many people who we really ought to be grateful for that we feel like running away from. So it's really important that, that we keep the distinction between those two things clear. Um, we can turn anything into abuse. You know, even someone not being affectionate enough. Somebody can say, that's abusive. You know, well... That's an abuse of the word abuse. Um, So, there are definitely abusive people, but it's important also not to be too quick to conclude that someone's abusive. Ordinarily, we think of people as not thankful for their marriage because they don't have a good marriage but isn't it very possible that people it's really the other way around that people don't have a good marriage because they're not thankful for their marriage many people who think they have an unhappy marriage don't really have a marriage problem they have a gratitude problem and that ingratitude has ruined their relationship because ingratitude erodes relationships, corrupts relationships, poisons relationships. That's where I'm going to leave you. And uh, today I thought, well, if we're going to ask people to think about, you know, gnawing hunger spots and, and perhaps things that they have that are gnawing hunger spots... I don't want them feeling like they have to share that with others. I don't want them to feel like they have to share that with their spouses. So I want each one of you to break up into a group of two, you and the Lord. Each one of you just go off and be with the Lord for a little while and share with him ways that you feel like this might be true for you, if there are any. I don't want to assume there are. but if there are gnawing hunger spots in your own heart or even the beginning little shoots of them, what are they? And then ask God's forgiveness. Keep the story of Israel with the manna in mind as you do that and repent before him of these things and ask him for his help in, uh, in dealing with this and being grateful and then if you finish all that and you would like to come back and, uh, and talk as a group or talk to the Lord, ask for prayer, then gather, you know, the women can gather around Marianne and the men can gather around me. But only if you really feel like you've exhausted this subject of pondering your own gnawing hunger spots and repenting of them and praying for God's help. Okay?